Welcome back to the Provo Pick and Roll Podcast. This is Brady Hill, and joining me today is the My Bad Announcing Cancer-Solving Point Guard, Jordan Kress. How's it going, Jordan? It's been a long time. It's been, I think, since what did we decide October. I mean, that's the last time we've yeah, that's the last time in my notes at least. So I don't know if that was if that was correct, but yeah, it's been too long. So yeah, I'm doing much better now that I'm back on the air with Brady. Great, yeah. So that's really what I was missing in my life. So feel I feel yeah. I've been trying, I've been trying to do these, you know, regularly for all of you. Uh, and I just Jordan has kept rejecting me, Um, and it's because he doesn't care about the listeners as much as I do. Yeah. If you want to answer for yourself, then you can, I guess. I mean, it's not that I don't care about the listeners. I mean, we were just both busy. Like, I was busy, you were busy. It was, it's a busy time. And it's, unfortunately, this is not what we're doing for our full-time jobs. This isn't our careers, but we try to do it as much as we can. And, um, yeah, ho- hopefully our audience isn't too upset with us for our radio silence for the last few months. But, you know, if if they really care about the show, I feel like they'll forgive us. So, Yeah, let's let's do that. Responsibility. It's not on us. It's on you, listeners. It's on you guys. We're trying to teach you patience. Yeah. <laughs> I I will admit I had a full month long break uh after the previous semester in December, which is pretty nice for the University of Iowa to have such a long break. So I I wasn't always busy. But I was with my family. So Yeah. I'm gonna go with that. Yeah. That's my excuse there. But anyways, uh, let's get back into it. We have a lot to cover, and we won't cover all of it, but we'll we'll talk about the things that we want to talk about. Um, starting with, uh, we're going to start with current kind of current events and jump into college basketball and some discussions on the first half of college basketball season and what we're looking forward to for the rest of college basketball heading into March uh, for this episode. So Jordan. Um, let's go ahead and start off with uh, kind of a discussion of on the national scale. What teams have you seen that you are the most excited about or have uh, e- that, that could either be the teams that you enjoy watching the most or that you're most excited about going forward into the season? Yeah, I, I mean, I think in general – you know, because I, I haven't had a ton of time to just sit down and watch all the basketball games that I would like to. Um, so I haven't been able to watch like everyone in the top 25 or anything like that. But the the games that have always been jumping out to me when I do have some free time have been the Big 12 matchups. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that's kind of a cop out just saying that in general. But like the Big 12 has been the most fun conference, I think, for me. They just, they just have so many top teams. It's kind of crazy right now how many teams they have in the top 25 and then also in the top 10. And I saw recently on the on the most recent posting of Joe Lenardi's Bracketology, he has uh, six um, Big 12 teams that are all ranked at a four-line or higher. So I think that's just like yeah. a good indication of how good the conference is. So I'd say overall, just like watching those games. But if I had to take, pick one team in particular this season, I think it's been uh, TCU. Um, 
they're just really fun to watch. They, their, um, their identity this year has been really um, getting out in transition and running the ball up and down the court quite a bit, which is just kind of a fun brand of basketball to watch, you know, very fast paced, lots of action, and then a lot of scoring. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's been, been pretty fun for me. And yeah, they have, you know, the, also, uh, I, one of the best guards in the country, I think, and Mike Miles, like he's looked really good. He's a bit of an undersized guard. I think he's around six foot, but he's really fun to watch. So yeah, I think for me, that's probably the team that I would pick so far this year as like the team that has excited me the most. What, what would you say, Brady? Well, I got to watch TCU in person this year. Uh, I went during that Christmas break with family. I went down to to the Mood, to the Moody Center, uh, the new Texas Longhorns basketball arena, and they played TCU the night that I went. And uh, Texas came back from a it's like an 18 point deficit or something at some point in the first half, and they came back and won the game against TCU. And one of the ways that they were able to do that was they took Sir Jabari Rice and just said, go face guard Miles. He doesn't touch the ball. Like the full court face guard, because that guy is really good, and they are fun to watch. And they got several transition buckets in that game. Uh, So I like that. I like that pick. Um, Although, to your point on how good the Big 12 is, they're like a middle-to-war team (laughs) I think in the Big 12 right now, uh, I think all the Big 12 teams, even Texas Tech, is within like the top 60 of Kim Palm. So yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And I don't. I think Texas Tech probably won't make the tournament, but everyone else might for that whole conference. Um, yeah, so I like TCU too. But my my team, I'm most excited to watch on a regular basis. One of the teams that I usually that are outside of my normal range of I usually am watching the Big Twelve or watching BYU or Gonzaga or something. But if it's not one of those teams, one of the only teams that really pulls me to watch them is Purdue. I like to watch Purdue play. They're very well coached. Um they have guards who they have several freshman guards as a part of their team. Um but they're pretty responsible, good shooters, take care of the ball, fundamental players. And Zach Eady, uh, their 7-4, I assume he's like 300-pound center, has been a dominant force and is, I think, far and away the leader for the um, Naismith Award at the end of the year right now. He's averaging like 20 and 10 or something. I don't remember what his exact numbers are, uh, but he's been really good. And he's really fun to watch because he's there's just not many guys at his size with his footwork and touch around the rim. Um, and, and and because the NBA doesn't really employ big guys like that, the only place to watch him is in college basketball. And so I've, I really enjoy watching him, watching him play. Yeah, I mean, that is interesting to think, because, yeah, just seeing how dominant he is in the league right now, I guess, yeah, real quick with those stats, is 22.4 points a game, 13.2 rebounds a game. And yeah. I think he's averaging like three blocks a game or something too. So really pretty dominant. And it's just crazy to think that like someone that is so that physically dominant in college basketball doesn't really have a place in today's NBA, but you know, if you can't shoot, I guess that just, that kind of cuts you out. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Purdue has been really fun to watch. It's, it's hard. Cause like 
it still doesn't feel like there's like a clear cut best team in the country right now. But if you had to pick, you definitely have to pick Purdue. I mean, right now they're ranked number one. They just they did just slide against Indiana this last weekend, but um, overall they look they've looked really good. Yeah, like you said, those guards, uh, Fletcher Lawyer and uh, Braden Smith. I can't believe those guys are freshmen because they look so composed yeah. out there. They always handle the ball well. They take good shots. And so I think, I mean, having that coming in to complement Zach Eady, um, And then along with that, they also have Mason Gillis, who I think is just a really good athlete. So he gives them, you yeah. know, that, that defensive prowess and then also just that high-flying ability as well. I think they're going to be a tough team to stop. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, they're they're currently my favorite uh, to win it all. Um, what? But under that spell, uh, there were several teams last year, and there's always several teams that when you get into the tournament, whether it be UCLA a couple years ago or North Carolina last year, teams that weren't all that impressive in the regular season, but when it came to be tournament time, they got hot at the right time and and they leave the impression of their season. Uh, so what team this year for you has underperformed or not met your expectations, but you expect will be better and will be a viable threat come tournament time? Yeah, for me, I mean, this isn't necessarily a team that I think can really make a deep run in the tournament. Um, Cause yeah, I, I can't, I mean, I don't see them having a run like North Carolina did last year, but um for me, I'm going to say Creighton because I saw them at the beginning of the season. And I was really excited about them. They they look pretty good. They have um they have a really experienced guard in Ryan Nemhard, who he, yeah. it seems like he orchestrates the offense really well. They've got Ryan Kalkbrenner, who's just really tall. He's he's a good shot blocking presence, and he's got good touch around the rim, and he's got a decent shot yeah. as well. Like he shoots mm-hmm. really well from the free throw line, so that that is a big plus as well. And then they also have um. Keve Aluma, um, I think that's his name. Um, their forward, he's also just like a really good athletic forward who can score the ball. Yes. So, and then, um, yeah, Trey Alexander. Oh, sorry, it's Arthur Kaluma. I got confused between, I think Keve Aluma plays for Virginia Tech, or he did. So, but, and then also they got a transfer from South Dakota State named Baylor Shireman, who he's a really good shooter. It seems like, Creighton's always able to recruit, recruit these really good shooters. So overall, like they have the offensive skill set to really compete and score with like anyone in the country. But yeah, that they just they've kind of dropped off a little bit. They've lost a lot of games that are a little bit ahead scratchers. But I think you know going to, into the Big East tournament and going into tournament time, I think they'll uh, be in a better position. So they certainly have the potential. Yeah. To to they have a high ceiling. They've apparently have a low floor because, like you said, they definitely have some head scratching losses, including a loss to BYU. Even though that was without their big center, but still, uh, they still should should be yeah. BYU um, yeah. in that game. So they have some head scratching losses, but they do have a lot of talent. The biggest thing for me that was confusing watching them even early in the season was uh was uh what was the guy's name you just mentioned the guy from the transfer. Uh, uh, Baylor Shireman. Shiner, Shireman. Mm-hmm. When I watched Creighton in the Maui Invitational, and I think they they played Texas as well at the beginning of the season, I watched that guy play, and I was like, "Wow, he has way more confidence than skill 
He is really killing them with his shot selection, and he was not making anything. And then I realized that he was the South Dakota State transfer who was really good at South Dakota State. And I was like, that's the same guy? He is playing awful. Uh, I mean, yeah, was it? I mean, yeah. I guess he's kind of hitting so, it, though. But yeah, I think it's just that, like, yeah, get you play that one game or. What's well, the thing is I I think he is really good. Yeah. Because I remember really him being really game. good at South Dakota yeah. State. Yeah. Uh, and he's had games, individual games where he's been good, but there's been other games where man, he just is kills them on offense. Uh so but if they could get him going, flowing better within the within the team parameters, because he's not the number one option anymore. And they have Nimhard and they have their big guy and they have the athletic forward. Like they have a lot of weapons. I see that. Could see that yeah no honestly that's probably that's a really good point because you know i think i think you said like the shot selection probably was hurting them so if they can really kind of understand where everyone fits in the system for them which i guess basically just means baylor shireman taking less shots and just smarter shots so because i did i do remember i think he took like a 35 footer uh when i the game yeah. that i was watching so yeah yeah so definitely something that could be uh could be improved upon, but yeah. What what is your team? What what team are you um, thinking is going to really shape up towards the end of the season? So my team, I'm surprised. You, I thought we might pick the same team here. Was was North Carolina? Actually, I'm curious to see because you've probably watched them more than I have. Yeah. This season, but if you look at look at what they're bringing back from their squad last year that went to the national championship game, Baycott has been really good this year as their center. Um, and they still have RJ Davis and Caleb Love and Leaky Black and Puff Johnson. Like they still have all these dudes who are pretty good, pretty solid college basketball players and have shown at times to play well under the brightest lights. Uh, they just lost to Duke this past weekend, which, you know, it was at Duke. That's not, yeah. a, not anything, uh, that's too big of an issue, but they did struggle at the beginning of the season. They were ranked, were they the preseason number one or two? They were preseason number one. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is the farthest that any preseason number one team has dropped in the rankings ever. Like in the history of ever. Yeah. Because usually, yeah. Especially at like by this point in the season, by like mid season, usually they're at least still in the top 25 if they're not in the, you know, the top 10 still. So yeah, it's kind of, kind of crazy, but like, you can really understand like why people had that notion going in to the season, you know, like they were turning all these players that went on that championship run this last year. And they've, yeah, they're more experienced, but yeah, they just have not performed very well. So, I mean, I'm, I, I wanted to pick them as my team that is, you know, underperformed, but will get better by the rest of the season. But I just, I don't quite have the faith that they will just shape up. Because I keep I keep thinking that they're going to get to that point, but then it just doesn't really feel like it. I just feel like they're so streaky, like yeah. and it because the their success all depends on basically Caleb Love, how Caleb Love is doing. And I really thought this year he was going to step into his own a little bit more because you know coming out coming off of all that confidence from their tournament run last year, I thought he was just going to be in a good you know good space, not turn the ball over very much, like just be a good point guard, like running the North Carolina offense, but it still kind of feels like the, about the same Caleb love that I saw last year, where there's at times where he 
you know, shows you his potential where he just takes over games and can basically win the game for you. But then there's also other times where it feels like he's shooting you in the foot with his turnovers and poor decision-making. So, yeah. So that's why I'm a little bit torn with uh, North Carolina's outlook for the rest of the season. But I'm still optimistic. They still might go on another run towards the end of the season like they did last year and then really look good and make it make it deep. They could they can definitely still make a deep run in the tournament for sure. Yeah, right now North Carolina is fifteen and eight overall, ten and one at home. And one of the reasons I I feel that they maybe have performed a little better um than people have given them credit for is four of their losses, they had a four-game losing streak where they lost, and they were all, I think all these games were either on the road or a neutral site. And so um, against Iowa State, who I think is a top 10 team in the country, they're actually very good, especially if they're at home. I don't know if this is on the road or a neutral site, but, um, but Iowa State's a good team. They lost in overtime to Alabama, who right now is top five team in the country. They lost uh, to Indiana, who's a pretty good team as well. And then lost at Virginia Tech, who Virginia Tech is middling, but they'll probably make the tournament. Um, just beat Virginia. Or no, they didn't. They didn't just beat Virginia. Or did they? They did just beat Virginia. They did. Yeah, they did this yeah. weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, maybe they won't make the Yeah, They'll be a borderline. They're an okay team. But, but we'll they see. have lost to Pitt twice. They have lost to Pitt. They get swept by Pitt. Yeah, for sure. I got swept by Pitt, which Pitt isn't a bad team, but they they should have at least split with Pitt. So, sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, what about a team that has underperformed, but just there is no silver lining of you think they'll be better. They just they just haven't been good. Yeah, for me it is North Carolina. Okay, I think I don't think. Because I think what we're seeing from them is what there is to expect. So, I mean, that being said, I mean, they're definitely still going to make the tournament. I think I think they'll still make some noise at least, you know, at least win their first game or something like that to have the potential to make a deep run. But I don't see them making a big jump, if that makes sense. Like, I think they're going to be the same team at the end of the season that they are now, but it'll just depend on if they get on a hot streak or not. So... Yeah, that's the way I feel towards them right now. But yeah, what about you? What is your team that you feel like has just been disappointing and don't really anticipate anything from in particular? So for this team, it's hard for me to judge what the expectations were going into the season because I don't know what they were because I think I don't know the details around around this team, this specific year of this team, because I think there were some maybe some recruiting issues or some kind of bands that they were potentially having to face and they, so they struggled in recruiting but do you know what Louisville's overall record is off the top of your head no you want to guess take a guess what you would guess Louisville's record is out of 23 games I'm gonna guess they're a little bit below 500 so like so they... let's go n- 9 and 14 okay they are three and twenty. What? They've only won three games. I'm trying to pull up the list of some of the teams that they lost to. So a lot of these were at the very beginning. This is how they started their season. Okay. They lost to Bellarmine at home, which is a very little small Kentucky school. 
It's like, I think they're like barely division one. They've only been division one for like a couple of years. They lost to Wright State at home. Then they lost to Appalachian State at home. Uh, they lost to Texas Tech by over 30 points. Um, their only wins are against Western Kentucky, Florida A&M, and uh, I think I think Georgia Tech. That's it. And they lost to Lipscomb at home. They're awful. They're really that bad. Is really bad. That is really bad. And that's, I mean, I, I don't feel like Louisville quite classifies as like a blue blood program, but they're traditionally one of they're the close. well-respected programs. Like, I think they're just outside of that. So I think that's pretty unprecedented for a team. Yeah, like a, a school of that caliber to be that bad. So Yeah, I mean, they've, they've won... Uh... I'm trying to look up how many championships they've run. They've they had they've won two championships in the past I think decade, even though I think they were vacated because they were cheating. Yeah. And I think that's part so I think there has something to do with recruiting violations that they had a lot of players transfer because they were worried that the team might get like banned yeah. from playing this year or something and it affected their roster. Or something like that, because if that's not the case, I don't know how to explain how bad they are this year. But it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, and so yeah. they've won two national. They won a national championship in 1980 and 1986, and then they had the ones vacated as well. So like they're a legit, they're borderline blue blood program with three wins. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I've not all watched right. it play uh, at all. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's the next uh, one? last last one is your surprise team. Team was way off your radar who's performed a lot better than you you thought they were going to. Um, I'll be interested to see if you pick the same team, but I think this might be on a lot of people's list is uh, Kansas State. Because I mean, yeah, last year I think they were I don't know their record in particular, but I think they hovered around 500. I don't remember if they made the tournament. Do you happen to know that off the top of your head? They, I think they were last in the Big 12, off the top were, of my head. Oh, they were last in the Big 12. They were picked to. They were picked to finish last this year. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's quite the turnaround, though. You know, from going to be picked last in the Big 12, and then now, yeah. They're currently ranked sixth in the country. And yeah, they've looked really good. They, I think they did pretty well in the transfer portal, though. So that like has helped helped them out a lot. But yeah, that's been the biggest surprise for me. And yeah, they had a very impressive win against Texas where they scored 116 points, which I still <laughs> I think is crazy. Maybe we'll talk about that later when we talk about Texas. But um, yeah, so they, they've been my surprise team for the season. Yeah, Kansas State, Keontae Johnson, the transfer from Florida is a really good story. Uh, he had some kind of condition or something that made him have to step away from basketball. I don't remember his exact details, but um, but he's back and has been playing really well for them. And then I feel like the team kind of goes as Marquise Noel, their little point guard, goes. If he plays well, sometimes he's a little out of control. Uh, mm -hmm. He was against Texas this past weekend. He played really poorly. And Kansas State lost by three at home. Uh, but if he plays well, 
with the consistency of Keontae Johnson, they have some bigs who are capable with uh, uh, that are just big. They take up good good rebounders. Just not going to score a lot on their own, but they're just solid for what they need them. They're they're a good team, and I agree. That's a good pick. My pick. I I had Kansas State slash Iowa State. Um, Iowa State was was also picked to be one of the lesser teams in the Big Twelve. Um, and they're right now, are they second in, uh, let's see if they're second in the, uh, big 12. They are. Yeah. The standings. Yeah. Second, second only Texas. behind Texas. Yeah. 12 and 0 at home. Hilton magic at home. They are really tough to beat. They just blew out Kansas at home. Um, at 16 and six, they're a pretty, pretty good defensive team on the perimeter. They have the transfer from, uh, St. Uh, St. Bonaventure. I think, um, his, uh, Osuni is, is good under the rim. They have a bunch of good shooters with Caleb Brill and, uh, Gabe Kousher, the transfer from Minnesota. Um, they're, they're a pretty good team, especially at home. And they were not expected to be, uh, to be anything special, especially after Tyrese Hunter, their fresh freshman of the year point guard who transferred to Texas left to Texas. Uh, and they've been really good. Yeah. I've been, I've been surprised by them too. They have looked pretty good, but I think, I think the thing that makes it good for Iowa state is like, I feel like you always can rely on them being a good defensive team. So when they can put to, when they can gather a few players that can score the ball, it puts them in pretty good position to win. Cause yeah, just yeah. just the culture there. It seems like they're Iowa State always has good defense. I don't know, I don't know how they've developed such a good culture of like defense there. But really and cool. and this was a team that I believe they were in the Elite Eight last year. They made a pretty deep run as a like either a seven or a ten seed or something like that. Yeah. Um. So they have experience as well, at, like experience succeeding on the bigger stages in combination with they're just pretty good mm-hmm. this year. Yep. All right. I, well, that's kind of, yeah. That's kind of, yeah. do you have anything else you want to talk about on a national scale before we move to our BYU, Texas discussions? Uh, no, I think that covered it. All right. Um, well, let's, let's get into the BYU discussion. It has okay. been, it has been a roller coaster uh, of a season for BYU with a couple of pretty pretty nice wins earlier in the season, beating Creighton, mentioned earlier, beating Utah, and uh, a big comeback win over, I think it was Dayton. They were down by like 20 points or something, or 25 points or some ridiculous number, and they came back to win uh, that game. In overtime. Um, in overtime, yeah. So, like, they've had some pretty good performances, and they had a couple. They've had a couple performances recently. Gonzaga at home, where they were up four with like fifty seconds to go, or something like that, and they ended up losing that game, and then lost uh, on a last-second jump shot to St. Mary's at home as well. So, um, they did lose those games, but they really should have won them. So they've, they've had high moments. They also should have beaten San Diego state. I think they were up against San Diego state by like 10 Mm -hmm. with like four minutes to go or something like that in that game. 
So they've shown in certain circumstances when they play up to their potential and they shoot well, they're a pretty good team. They also rebound exceptionally well, especially for their size. So it's a team that they play hard and they're pretty fun to watch uh, just from an aesthetic standpoint, but they turn the ball over too much and they're just not quite consistent enough uh, offensively. Um, and they end up having a uh, a uh, current record of 16 and 10 and are looking, they're kind of a bubble NIT team at this point. So unless they somehow go win the WCC tournament, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament this year. What are your kind of general thoughts on the team this year? Are they are they meeting your expectations? Is this team would you consider this team to be a failure? Um, is is it, is it a success? Like what? How do you how are you feeling about this year's BYU basketball team? Honestly, going into the season. I don't know if I really had anything as far as expectations because it's hard. There's so much turnover with the team. Like, I mean, really the only players that we kept from last year's team that were like major players were, you know, Pusini Traore, um, Gideon George, and then Spencer Johnson. And then, you know, we have Trevin Bell who hasn't really played much this year yet. So no, uh, but other than that, it's been a completely new cast. So it was really hard to know what to expect. Yeah. You know, I was excited for some of the new freshmen coming in, you know, down hall. He's, you know, he's shown some potential. So I think that's been good. So honestly, I think I feel good about where they are right now, like based on kind of what they've had to work with. Cause you know, so many new people coming in, um, yeah. include freshmen and transfers. Um, so I think, you know, that just took a while for them to really kind of figure out how to all play together. Um, but yeah, so uh, overall, I feel pretty good about where they're at. I mean, I do wish that they didn't like lose those head scratchers to like South Dakota and Utah Valley. You know, that's just really, yep. that's really embarrassing. You shouldn't lose to a team yep. whose mascot is the Coyotes. I I don't know. <laughs> just throwing that in there. So, um, but yeah, I I think one of the biggest things with them is that yeah they just don't have a consistent scoring presence. There are times where the, you know they can work the ball into Traore and he's able to manufacture points and, and they're able to run the offense through him. And I think that's when they're you know kind of at their best. And then because then you know they get uh, open shots for shooters and things like that. But unfortunately, that hasn't been like the ultimate recipe for success because you know teams will like double down on him and cause some turnovers and things like that so but um but overall they look i mean they're really athletic really long play pretty good defense for the most part so you got to feel good about that and yeah they've shown the potential you know like you've mentioned they've stuck with some of the top teams in the country like in and in the conference with uh gonzaga and saint mary's so yeah i don't know what are your overall thoughts um, I mean, I think the main thing is is the turnovers. They're averaging, I think, almost like 16 turnovers a game, and I think that's what's killing them is they're sloppy. They're they're sloppy with the basketball, and then also what you were saying, they don't have a they don't have a number one scorer. They have a bunch of guys who, on any given day, can get you can get you in the double digits, but no one that like a defense has to really prepare for. 
and shut down at all. Um, the best example is the, the last second shot that they had against Gonzaga when they were down by two points or one point or something. I don't remember what it was exactly. And my brother was watching that game and he, he's not a particular BYU fan. Like he, uh, he was watching, but he doesn't follow it like we do. And they had Spencer Johnson as their senior guy to take the last shot. And he ended up just getting the ball stripped and they didn't even get a shot off and they lost the game. And he texted me and he's like, why did they give it to that guy? He was not, he does like, he does not look like he's able to score one-on-one. And I had to respond and I was like, yeah, you're right. But that's, that's their guy. (laughs) They don't have another option. Maybe give it to Rudy Williams, but he's super inconsistent. He's super inconsistent though, because he's had games where he's been really good and scored in twenties, and he's other had other games where he's been. There's a reason why he started off as a starter, and now he's coming off the bench. Um, but uh, it, but that that's kind of a valid argument though. You could go Rudy Williams in that situation, but other than that, they don't have they don't have anybody else. And and because of that reason, that's something that we knew going into the year, right? They lost. Um, they lost their leading scorer from last year uh, in Barcelo, and we knew they didn't really have someone to replace him. So our expectations were low. I feel like right now they're pretty much meeting expectations. I think no matter what BYU's roster is, they should finish number three in the WCC. Um, right now, they're number four. They're tied with LMU at six and five in the conference. Um, and but they've had a couple good wins. They just beat LMU and they just beat uh, the Pacific. They just beat. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think so. And I'll mention they beat they, those teams pretty handily as well. They beat LMU yeah. by 26 and they got a big, like in the first half too, and really just kind of yep. sustained the lead throughout the whole time. So I think, yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think they definitely are a better team than everyone else in the conference, you know, minus St. Mary's and Gonzaga. So Yeah. Yeah, so they should play like that for the rest of the season. However, to finish up, uh, finish out their West Coast Conference play, they um, so they got one more game against LMU. Or I'm trying to remember what they have. One more, I think it's like Pepperdine or something. But then they have four yeah, games Pepperdine. against all the teams that they have lost before. I think they're playing Santa Clara, mm-hmm. uh, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and then San Francisco. San Francisco. Okay, that's their last game. So that might be kind of a rough ending to the West Coast Conference play, but yeah, but also a good opportunity for them because <laughs> they're playing pretty well right now. They know they should have won against Gonzaga and St. Mary's in the previous game. They're not going to be afraid, scared in those games. If they go finish the season and get a get a big win or two in there, you know that it's a good way to end the season, get themselves into the NIT get themselves in position for who knows, like if if they could potentially get lucky, play, get hot and, and get a tournament bid through the tournament, the WCC tournament. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Not expecting that, but if they finish third in the standings, it could happen. And if they finish third in the standings to end the season, I would consider that a success for this year. Yep. Same. And yeah, I, so I do want to go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I was just going to say, I do want to rant about 
the Gonzaga and St. Mary's games for just a little bit. Because like you said, BYU should have won both of those games. At the end of the Gonzaga game, you know, with, uh, you know, Gonzaga was down two with about 10 seconds left. Julian Strother hits that big three, but Drew Timmy definitely did a moving screen to free him up for that shot. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that play in particular, but Drew Timmy's just walking down the floor. Um, BYU's trying to defend him. And yeah, he just like, like for me, like if someone videoed that, they could use that as like definition of a moving screen to teach people what moving screens are. Like that was as clear as day right in front of, you know, right in front of the ref at a crucial juncture in the game. I think that was inexcusable and definitely a missed call. But um, I mean, at the same time, you just you still got to execute better at the end of the game. And I want to say as well, like with that last shot with Spencer Johnson, he had Rudy Williams open on the wing. Like he was just struggling so hard to like, you know, dribble the ball. He didn't see lost that he, the ball. he just lost the ball and then got it. Didn't even get a good shot off, but he was, if he was looking up, looking at his options instead of being dead set that, you know, I'm going to shoot it. That could have been a different story. So there, there were some, those were some of the, that's my rants for that game for the St. Mary's game. I mean, overall, like, like they played pretty well. Cause like St. Mary's was always hard to play against. And that shot that, um, St. Mary's hit at the end was really tough, you know, falling away from the basket, high degree of difficulty. Can't fault them there. Like that was a tough shot, but it really makes you wonder because with that game, we had um, three players out due to suspension uh, because of breaking team rules. Those players were Jackson Watterson, Nathan Waterman and Tiki Aliatiki. And all those players, their absence was felt for sure, especially with the size that St. Mary's has not having Aliatiki in there. I think that made a big difference because we had to put in some guy who I'd never heard of before. Yep. You know who that was? Who was that guy? I don't. Trayden Christensen? I think that was his name. Sure. That sounds good. Anyways, like putting him in there, it's, it's just a tall ask. And so I think that would, that really hurt them. So it makes you wonder, you know, I guess we'll see this next time around. It will be an away game, but if they have all those players um, in, I think it could be a different story. I just rewatched the the video from Gonzaga with True Timmy's screen, and that was a massive moving screen. Oh, I yeah. I don't I don't think I noticed it the first time because I just I assumed he was kind of doing, you know, the thing that posts do where they're going down the court and they're they just fake like I'm just I'm just going down to the paint. And they're not, they're really screening you, but they're just kind of slowly walking and they're like, yeah, I'm just kind of being in your way on accident. And I thought that's what he was doing. But if you look at it, no, he was setting a screen and he was basically just like walking in front of of, of the defender. Like it was pretty, it was pretty blatant. Yep. Now that said, can we please go over top on the best three-point shooter in the country? Potentially. I know. Seriously, yeah, uh, that was so. It was regardless bad of the moving yeah. screen, yeah, but but yeah. So, okay, do you have all that out of your system? Yep, you that's, that's yeah. I feel better now. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's fair though, because those those games, not back to back, but pretty close, back to back big games to lose in that manner, as the last end note to WCC big games in the Marriott Center was. That was a little rough. Um, okay. This is our last topic for college basketball for this episode is 
and talk briefly about uh, my Texas Longhorns, who um, have gone through quite a bit this year with Chris Beard uh, being fired after being arrested for um, domestic assault charges, uh, which we won't get into the details of that other than I am glad that the university made went through, took some time to just kind of do their own research and decipher what evidence was available. And I think they made the responsible decision to, uh, to fire Chris Beard, given the evidence uh, provided from the police in that situation. And, uh, but since that time, we were, you know, Texas fans were curious how the team would react. And the first night they almost lost to Rice which is understandable because I think that was the same day he was officially fired or maybe no, that was the same day the allegations were, he was suspended and the allegations were put forth. Um, they had to go to overtime against rice, I think, but they've played really well, come together as a team. Um, and right now are uh, the number one team in the big 12, which is far and away the best conference called the basketball. I don't know if you've watched Texas very much or if you had any thoughts on the Longhorns, Jordan. Yeah, I've I watched a few of their games. Um yeah, overall I think they look really good. Um they have a lot of upperclassmen, which is good and some good transfers like you mentioned they got um uh Serge Abari Rice who played 4 years at New Mexico State and was really the star there. And I think yeah. he's transi- transitioned really well to their system there. Yeah. Like he's you know, he's been able to you know, step down from his role as like the guy and but he's still like a really good scoring option for them and everything. You know, they have Tony Allen coming back again. I feel like he's just a solid option because he's he doesn't force the issue usually. He let, lets the offense come to him. And yes. then yeah, they and then yeah, they just have overall really good players. Um uh Marcus Carr has played phenomenal also, I think, this yep. season. And then uh their freshman Dylan Mitchell has been really exciting to watch because he's just super athletic, can jump out of the gym. And um, yeah, just, yeah, I just feel like they just have all these different aspects. And then when you're also bringing back uh, uh, Brock, Cunningham, Brock Cunningham too, you know, like a player like that, that's just hard nosed, gets, gets the work done down, you know, in the trenches and stuff like that. And just kind of mm-hmm. gives you that kind of energy to your team. And also I want to mention as well, like he's a much improved three point shooter this year too. He's yeah. pretty good. So he's like also an offensive threat on top of all of that. So, yeah, they've just got weapons all over the place. I think that, you know, they've got ceiling of the Final Four for sure. So, yeah, Marcus, this is the Marcus Carr we thought we were going to get last year. It took him some time to adjust, I think, to the new team, the new offense, new situation. Uh, but he's been excellent. He's been the go-to guy in the end of games, which he has delivered several times this year on kind of game-ending maybe not buzzer beater necessarily, but like Texas is up two with 45 seconds left. They need a bucket to put him away. And, and he's got that bucket just about every time as well as Serge Barry Rice. I would say Serge Barry Rice is their second best player on the team coming off the bench. Uh, probably their mm, second most important player, maybe their most important player even with Marcus Carr. So they've been really good. And like you said, they just have a bunch of tough, Dirty work players, Timmy Allen, Christian Bishop, Brock Cunningham. Uh, 
And they've the and the thing that I've liked about this team this year is they have pushed the pace a lot more. They're averaging, I think they're averaging like 80 points a game this year, and they're still pretty good defensively. So they have some of that um, Chris Beard defense uh, that they had last year, but they're more consistent offensively. They're have a uh, they've they've uh, gone through a lot less of those six minute spells without scoring, which killed them last year. The biggest, the only thing I worry about, honestly, is Tyrese Hunter. Their transfer from Iowa State uh, dropped, I think, twenty-eight on Gonzaga when they played in the Moody Center. And at the beginning of the season, I was like, "Dang, if Marcus Carr is going to play like this, and Tyre, and they have a Tyrese Hunter who's going to average, you know, seventeen points a game or something, they are going to, they're the best team in the country. They're the number one team in the country if they're going to play like that." But since that game, really. Tyrese Hunter has not played very well. Um, he's been, he's supposed to be a defensive stopper. That's his main trait. And he's been up and down in that role. And he hasn't shot the ball very well at all. So if he starts to play really well, finds his confidence towards the end of the season, they're going to be a good team regardless. But if he plays, starts to play really well, they could be a real threat in March. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I said, yeah, I think they've got really high ceiling. And yeah, they, they probably won't get to that number one overall spot, you know, because just being in the Big 12, that's going to, that's yeah. too tough of an ask, I think. Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah. And then, so, I mean, outside of the Big 12 play, like probably the most notable team that they played was Tennessee. They played last, I think last week, right? Yeah. In the Big 12 Challenge. Uh, what were your thoughts on how they stacked up against Tennessee, who is now currently the number two team in the country? Uh, they did not shoot well in that game. They got so so. Here's the main, the main uh flaw, the Achilles heel of this Texas team is they don't have a huge big man. They're not super big, and they don't rebound particularly well. They play defense really well. But there's too many possessions every game that they play really good defense and they don't get the defensive rebound. And then the other team scores off that in the second chance opportunity. So second chance points are an Achilles heel for Texas. And Tennessee is a team, especially at home, with Rick Barnes team. They play really hard. Uh, they have their big guys dominated in that game and they shot the ball pretty well. Uh, so Tennessee played great. And Texas didn't shoot the ball well and didn't rebound well. And that's not a good combination. So, um, yeah, Tennessee's pretty good too. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, they've looked, they've looked really good. And I think, but I will, I will say, I think that was probably one of their better games of the season that they played against Texas. Yeah. So, cause even like their, it, their little guy, the little five, nine guy Ziegler, I think he had like 20 yeah. points that game. So yeah. But... Yeah, they played really well. And I think that fed off the fact that their big guys were getting whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. And because they got whatever they wanted, that opened it up for everyone else. They were at home. They played well. Um, so, yeah. But I know Tennessee this past weekend, I think, won scoring 46 points uh, against, I don't remember who it was, somebody in conference play. So they don't always play that well on offensively. Yeah, yeah. Because, so, but they really have good defense, yeah. Which, uh, 
Yeah. I guess, yeah, you need to have good defense if you can only score 46 points in a game and yeah. still win. So. And win. That's that's pretty impressive. But, yeah. So are you worried about this team? Like, if they, like, later on down the road, like, maybe even in the NCAA tournament, if they come across a team that has, like, really good post play, like, you know, if they come against a Purdue with a Zach Eady or something like that, do you feel like that's a bad match for them? Um. I would say a bad matchup would be a team that has a dominant big, but also has enough shooting to hurt you. Uh, because I think they've kind of proven they all, they really should have beat Purdue in the tournament last year, even though that was a terrible matchup for them. I think that game went to overtime in the tournament. I think you're right. Uh, and that was with, they also had, was it Schwanigan? Was that their other big? Who's the other big? Oh, uh, no, Schwanigan's older. Um, Henderson. He's basically, he was basically Schwanigan. He was the new version of Schwanigan who retired last year. Well, he was Not retired, but he was Schwanigan with better moves, though. Like, he, he, he was like quicker. He had like quicker moves. I think his name was like something Henderson. But you know what I'm talking about. They had a I, second. I know big you're talking too. about. They, yeah. They didn't just have Evie, they had another guy who hurt him, too. And they had Ivy, who ended, who's took over in overtime. Um, and so in the, in Texas general strategy against those big teams, you saw it against Gonzaga as they said, okay, big fella, you're going to get 25 points and we're good luck. And, uh, but your other guys, your others are not going to win. And that's worked. That worked really well against Gonzaga this year. It almost worked. It worked for most of the game against Purdue until Jaden Ivey was just too good. And I don't know if there's a team this year that has enough of both of those things. I think that they could handle Purdue and the guards for Purdue are good. They are good shooters, but they're not, I don't know. I mean, that would be the weakness, a team with a, with the dominant big that they have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But it's not over. It's not fully. uh, It's not unovercomable. I guess that's a new word I just made up. Unovercomable. Yeah. Is that, okay. is that even right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's I guess. I guess. Yeah, I guess that works. Yeah. Um, That Purdue player's name was Cherubion Williams, by the way. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was him. I think I was baby, thinking baby Schwan Henderson. Again. So, baby, yeah, we'll just call him Baby Schwan again. <laughs> I like that. Um, Okay. Yeah. Because we'll have to see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the matchups are like towards the end of the season. Because what I'm trying to think in Big 12 play, is there really is there a team like that? There's there's not really a team with like a clear dominant big, is there? Um, not really. TCU is Eddie Lampkin. Who... Yeah, he's just he's, he's a okay. big body though. Yeah, he's not like he's nowhere in the same league as like Zach Eady. So Iowa State's big is pretty good the St. Bonaventure transfer um Asuni or Asuni or something like that I can't remember his name exactly but he's pretty good but they don't have they don't have a they don't have a Zach Eady Drew Timmy level yeah five in the big 12. Well it's interesting now now that I'm thinking back like towards the beginning of the season I mean I feel like Gonzaga kind of fits that mold that you were describing of having a big 
you know, a pretty good big and Drew Timmy was surrounded with a lot of really good shooters, but Texas didn't have a problem taking care of Gonzaga. So I think the biggest deal with Gonzaga, I guess, is a difference is Drew Timmy is a good offensive player, but he is not he's not an elite defensive player. And I yeah. think Gonzaga struggles defensively more this year than they have in the past, as well as not having quite the same level of playmaker. Like they they're they're they don't have a Jalen Suggs this year or a uh or or just that other threat to give some of their shooters more space, I guess. I haven't watched too much of Gonzaga, but they're definitely not quite the same level of excellence as they have been the yeah, past few years. I definitely agree. I think they've dropped off a bit, but still Gonzaga though. Yeah, for sure. But but it's been a good college basketball season and we're getting towards the second half and looking forward to uh getting ready for our brackets that we will probably both both lose our patented milkshake bracket. But did you win last year? I can't remember who won actually. I did You did I win because North Carolina lost. Yep. Right? And if North Carolina yeah. you wanted if, if North, North Carolina had won, you would have lost. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, that reminds me. I don't think I've cashed in on any milkshakes yet. Yeah, you better hurry. You're I almost, better do you're that. almost out. I feel like I gave you money. So. Sarah gave you money from us, I, I think, right? I think you did. I I think you guys did. I don't think I don't okay. know if anyone else did. Yeah, you better get going on that then. But yeah, I'll have to take advantage. But yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, definitely excited for that. But um, but yeah, this has been fun. Um, so I think that concludes our discussion on college basketball. So make sure to tune in to our next episode where we uh, have a very late recap of the college football season and then talk about a preview for the Super Bowl that's happening this next week. So until next time, whoosh, Kevin. Go Cougs.